you turn his volume up? Fucking great song. All right. All, all America, right? Well. <laughs> We could have played Jersey Girl for you, Brandon. I think we're we're all a little toned out. Let's go. All right, let's hit it. Welcome everybody to episode number sixty-two of the Light Shed Podcast. Today is July first. We're actually recording this um, one day early um, because of. July 4th plans and this and that, but this is the July 4th edition. I'm Brandon Ross, along with Rich Greenfield and Walt Pysik. And um, Walt, you got your select. Walt chose the music um, this week, the intro music. For the record, I was against it. It's a great song. it's a good I mean, it's it's very it's a very unpatriotic song though. And we we had this debate. It's literally it, listed on the top. 20 patriotic songs list if you google it what's not un- but you, i think you're confusing the movie with the song no it's like it starts off born down in a dead man's town the first kick i took was when i hit the ground <laughs> it's about a disillusioned vietnam vet in like the age when was this like 84 so like in the middle of like reagan nationalism oh, just, you and, know. and the forgotten man it is anything but patriotic in my view okay well, but it has it has been you know I, I i'm sure trump played it at his rallies well we could have played party in the usa by miley cyrus and that but that's what is not, that what's that song about I think there's some <laughs> drug themes in there possibly and then that, that might have been during her disney years but brandon on another topic happy yes. bobby bonilla day happy bobby <laughs> Since this a happy before, Bobby Bonilla Day to the Mets uh, kicked off Bobby Bonilla Day with a twenty to two loss last night, but today they will turn it around under the master Degrom if they can actually score some fucking runs for him. But um, the, the Bobby Bonilla Day, for those that don't know, is is this long contract where the Mets are paying him a, a stick two until like twenty seventy five or something like that, um, and. You know, the past ownership rightly probably hidden shame about it, but under the new ownership, um, there's a tweet here from Stevie Cohen saying, Let's take a this is back in November of 20, 2020. Let's take a vote. How about we have a Bobby Bonilla day every year? Hand him an oversized check and dri- drive a lap around the stadium. Could be fun, which was a great idea. They they one upped it though. And this is from the Mets from nine hours ago, the Bobby Bonilla day. Bobby is heading to the plate to host an Airbnb stay at City Field in the ultimate Mets what? overnight experience. Starting on July 8th at noon, Mets fans can request a book one night at City Where are people sleeping? Are they like sleeping on first? Probably they, sleeping bags. Probably lug- sleeping bags, maybe? They have luxury suites there. Also, is that where you're staying? With what, the maybe they're sleeping in the locker room. Ew. They, oh, dude, they're, they could sleep on the massage bed. There's one Holy definitely. Ew. There's definitely at least one in the, in the, in the home team's locker room and one in the visitors' locker room. Right? Why hasn't Why hasn't he NPV'd that contract and just gotten a payout? Like, is this like just why not sold front? it to like a Goldman Sachs and basically just sort of like gotten paid up front? We're just that negotiate contract. with the Mets. They're like, okay, I'll give you how many years does he have left? This is this goes to like twenty. This was right? the result of a negotiation, so they didn't have to pay him like. 
60 million dollars or whatever maybe he's expecting um, tax rates to decline over time you know but who knows i don't know tax rate. <laughs> it's like that's, getting fired from a big media company i mean that's what it reminds me of is like that's the type of payouts you get massive anyway cash let's see payouts. a real celebration tonight with a nice shut up by the grom maybe a no hitter or something like that let's go mets all right rich what right. you got first so first off, we've got, you know, I think the biggest news of the week was out of um, Facebook. They sort of just sort of dropped a, what I would call almost like dropped a bomb that, you know, in sort of an odd way, like between a post on on Instagram and you know, actually posted the, the video up on Twitter. Adam Masseri, who r- runs Instagram now, basically said changes are coming. I'll read his tweet. Changes are coming to video on Instagram. At Instagram, we're always trying to build new features that help you get the most out of your experiences. Right now, we're focused on four key areas, creators, video shopping, and messaging. But what was interesting was not the tweet in terms of this, but in the video message he recorded, he basically said sort of the the picture era, which is what Instagram started at, is basically over. And he basically said, as you look at sort of the future, as you think about things like TikTok and YouTube, video is taking over. And but he, he, basically, yeah. he basically said that Instagram is an entertainment. I think his exact words were that it's an entertainment platform. It's not and a photo it, sharing yeah. app. No, it's 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 not anymore. That those days are it's like if you take a step back at Instagram, though, you know, it's like that Streets of Philadelphia song, like I was barely recognizable to myself. It's, it's like completely, you know, has undergone. I mean, it's still like scroll based, but that's that's about it. It feels like almost like they're trying to Facebook eyes um, Instagram. And I don't, I don't well, know. I mean, I, my, my takeaway was some ways, right, because like he has constantly evolved Facebook to and experimented to keep up with the times. And then now you have a situation where your number one competition is, you know, probably kicking your ass and kicking your ass. And so you're, you got to kind of like TikTok eyes yourself. And like, we've discussed the late embrace of creators, which was in there also and messaging, which, you know, Facebook Messenger actually has done quite well if you take a step back on it, um, at least in terms of daily active usage in a lot of countries. Um, but Instagram has gotten nowhere on messaging. And, you know, that, that's maybe a little bit of the. But I'm going to channel my inner Walter Pysik, because if you, if you define Instagram as entertainment, there's no doubt that TikTok is better at entertaining than Instagram is. That's the bottom line. That's why they're switching, right? It's just a more entertaining experience right now. If that's if that's the standard you're trying to live up to, I just can think they, TikTok is more entertaining. Can they make the pivot? Look, and like the, and is it essentially just like TikTok copycat or are they going to be their own thing? Don't know. What's Reels then? Well, my guess is Reels sort of takes over as the experience or becomes more important. Yeah, I think Reels becomes sort of the centerpiece. But Reels and- is different, though. I don't even understand Reels, to be honest. Like, but, yeah, I, I get I get the Reels, like, in my feed. And I'm, every time I'm like, what is this? And why is it in this format? Oh. 
look, there is something, it goes back to that. I don't know how to use it well yet. I just go back to that first meeting we ever had with Chad Hurley, you know, Brandon, you know, when we sat down with him and he said sort of the, the aha moment for, for YouTube was when they put related videos next to the one video. And all of a sudden the metrics went straight, you know, up um, exponentially. That's what TikTok is like, right? Like it's just this, you get lost in a sea of TikToks and it's not about who you follow. It's just like this constant, fun experience which is they're also changing the recommendation engine on instagram and so i think that's part of it right is that it's not just about your friends it's not just about who you follow it's like hey there's something to this just algorithm that feeds fun i I certainly don't think i represent the instagram market but i will say that what i've noticed is um I liked, I don't follow that many people on Instagram. I, I like to see my friends putting artistic pictures up or vacation pictures or whatever. Yeah. At some point though, in the recent months, it's changed where it's putting other shit on there that is stuff that I don't follow. And, and when I'm in the context of Instagram, Meaning I don't like you're that. seeing things you don't follow. Correct. And I don't like that in my, when I'm in my Instagram mindset and world it's just not good. That's, and that's get, very fair. Like each, and, like we've discussed, you're straight on. Um, well, like every time you open an app on your phone, there's a mindset that you have in opening that app, or at least I do. I, and so I'm relating to you here, like your mindset when you open up TikTok is different than your mindset when you open up Instagram and now they're trying to convert. Oh, it's all just entertainment and whatever it takes for. But at least TikTok gives me the option to go to their second tab and do the following page where Instagram, it seems like such a clusterfuck that I can't figure out how to just find. And sometimes I see something of something, a friend of mine, I want to go back to show Jess about like, you know, a friend of ours that posted, she's in a whatever in Utah right now. (laughs) I can't fucking find it. And then I got to go, go and find her in there. Like, I don't know what Instagram. No, not good. Sorry. Well, the good news for Facebook, though, is that the the FTC lost their lawsuit this week. It could be refiled. But, you know, the stock was up on excitement over, you know, not the threat of being broken up, at least dissipating pretty meaningfully because the government doesn't really have a great case, which goes back to our view of like this is it's not easy to break up big tech at this point. And, you know, that's why the stock was up. But I think this whole issue of what Instagram is doing. It just it feels like a red flag that we should all be paying a lot more attention to of like, I don't think it matters to 2021 numbers or even 2022 numbers, but the the longer term threat of people, you know, we've seen a lot of stories about YouTube shorts doing very well overseas, obviously TikTok's exploding, Snapchat's doing very well with Spotlight, like sort of just the, the, the encroachment on Instagram, which I think has been one of the single biggest drivers of time spent in monetization on Facebook over the course of the last couple last several years is certainly noteworthy that we should all be paying attention to. And look, they did a good job with stories, but I don't, I think this is a lot going to be a lot harder. I agree with that. I think it's less natural. Yep. So this is sort of one of the funnier stories of the week there was New York post and they actually called us for a quote and we gave them a quote and they they broke they was theoretically broke Cosman? a story. Josh, Cosman no, this was this was not Josh. This was not Josh Cosman. This was a real story. This actually yeah, is a real no, story. I remember. A, I'll be honest. Wasn't like, creative writing experience. Rich was Rich messaged like me and Mark and was like OMG. Oh, maybe it was all of us actually. It was like OMG. Apple TV Plus is adding a button to Roku, according to the post, and it's not Josh Cosman. <laughs> and 
it's real. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. And so it is real. The, it the, is the real. crazy but thing was it, it was, was two like months old. Months. Yeah, it was from April. <laughs> I was I actually uh, who tweeted? I think it was Variety or someone tweeted that broadcasting out. Kate broadcasting one of the I think it was Variety. Guys. Yeah. Um, and Bomb I Gartner, maybe I literally laughed out loud. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, this is fucking hilarious. Uh, this stock is uh, but, like. But the crazy thing is, is it's actually big news. And the fact that like I didn't know it investors didn't know it like nobody saw this story it sort of just, just was under the radar like two weeks ago when i was talking about setting up my mom's tv and how great it was to have all those buttons for her and like Did you, apple was TV apple wasn't tv one of them oh no apparently it wasn't a roku for a but it wasn't a roku right, okay the sony i guess with the google stuff but but i guess the interesting things about it one it sort of shows that you know we've been talking on this podcast for probably the entire length of this podcast, but how serious Apple is about content. Ted Lasso is coming back shortly. You know, we, we've just talked about the budget Apple has is multiple billions of dollars a year that they're spending. And I think the fact that they're taking out a button, I know some people will say, oh, Apple TV Plus is failing. They're trying to jumpstart it by Who's buying a button that, on Roku. Let's go. I, I saw plenty of people say, hey, this is their like last ditch ever to save it. Yep. I think that's bullshit. I think this is Apple sees. They see the importance of real estate on these devices. They are very serious about winning long term, or at least being a major player. Maybe not winning, but being a major player long term. And they're committing a so much capital to content in content, in streaming video. Yeah, they, they want to be not necessarily a major player in like owning the OS for the home or the OS. No, not at all. TV, which is which is the interesting part when you look at Apple. It's itself as as a company. No, Walt. Look, though. Uh, yes. I go ahead, Rich. What were you no, no. Talk? I was I was going to say the short thesis for so many years on Roku for many people who got wrong when this was you know stocks four hundred that when the stock was you know 60, 70, 80, people were like wanting to be short because they said Apple's going to come in and crush them. They're going to crush them like a bug. I don't. I don't happened. think it was just Apple. It was sort of like the you know the. Yeah number of competitors but rich i think you were pretty consistent at the time saying like look it can take time and they, but they have the ability and the willingness to invest and it took netflix a many many years to to build up that type of library and, and we'll continue to have to invest what i found funny is that um there's a big to do about apple tv getting on a button or maybe hbo max or whoever it is meanwhile it wasn't long ago that t-mobile had a t-vision remote that had buttons that had no functions on them <laughs> Oh, I remember right. that. They Here's sent you that. I remember they sent you that. Oh, yeah, they're, they're buttons that had no, like those four color buttons, like things that just didn't work. And now we're talking about the value of having Apple TV or Amazon TV oh, I mean, or HBO that Max value, on the remote. I mean, that was, a, I think that was a Netflix invention, right? Probably. Didn't, like at the beginning, wasn't like Netflix's marketing idea to do these biz dev deals with different hardware manufacturers of all like all different kinds not just roku well, not even uh, just hardware hotels i remember reed was in a yeah. hotel he tweeted a picture remember once he tweeted a picture of like a milan hotel room where he took a picture of his remote control and whatever tv was in the room and it was like netflix is everywhere yeah the, the netflix button like well, and it's in all the hotels else, now i think all the hotels them. have netflix and amazon probably in their in their hotel yeah but going way 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 back to the but yeah, T Vision didn't have anything. Important part of their strategy. T Vision. I'm going to bookmark T Vision. 
Uh, hold on. Let's, let's, let's go Amazon. So um, The Rock tweeted out a picture of him and Jeff Bezos. I don't know whether this is a current That looks like an, an old, old picture photo. for our podcast uh, listeners. There looks like a very shriveled version of Jeff uh, Bezos here. No, I think Maybe he's just is... next to The Rock, who's like oh, a fucking monster. So you think <laughs> like it's, a, it's a relative he's problem? He's the most ripped dude in the entire world. You have to do a little <laughs> bit more research on this. It could be a post-divorce deflation. It could be pre-pump up. It could be anything, or it could be well, as Brandon says, it's the comp that the rock I, is. I, such I, a- I think it's all. I think it's all relative here. Yeah. Well, so so right. so Jen Salky, who Bezos next to me, he would look like a monster. <laughs> even post COVID, <laughs> uh, d- dude, I look like a monster next to you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much everyone does. It's funny how I'm supposed to be on the wedding diet. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm gonna need to have my. Do I need to wear a suit to your wedding? Because I might need to have it fitted. I honestly don't even know. I don't have any suits that fit me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get a new one. We're definitely not doing any of that black tie bullshit, though. That's for sure. Okay, so Jen Salky, who runs Amazon Studios, tweeted out. Oh my god, this is off the rails. We're so excited to announce Red One with our incredible partners at Seven Bucks Productions, The Rock, blah blah blah. Basically, blah blah big, blah. What, big what, holiday. Way to minimize The Rock's partners. Yeah. What about Danny and <laughs> They're just Danny blah, blah, blah. And Double H? Well, because it's like, my point Danny was Danny Garcia, H H Garcia. To be leaders in creating unique, ambitious, and globally <laughs> compelling content. So excited for he what just is wants to, come. to be on the rails. So clap fast. emoji, clap <laughs> emoji. No, it's just like, all right. Uh, what's you know, the bottom line here, Rich? Well, I just thought it was the the irony. The you had lots of people excited that box office was so amazing last weekend because Fast and the Furious did whatever a seventy million dollar opening, which sounds great. Uh, you know, pandemic other than the fact, big. yeah, post pandemic, pandemic big. big the problem is, and Brandon, you brought this point up when we were texting back and forth over the weekend. It doesn't really matter what the film did. It's what is the whole weekend look yeah, like what's in versus 19 versus, versus 21. And I think right. it was and, probably dead. What was it down? Like 35% or something. And, and, and then take it to midweek. So Monday, Tuesday down 50 to 70% from 2019. So, you know, look again, box office returns, but there is fundamental or secular shifts in how movies are being released. And Amazon, great example of just more and more content direct to consumer, skipping theaters or with very short theater windows. It just keeps hammering on this thesis that box office and is never getting race among the platforms. Well, and yeah, I think that's a good point because starting tomorrow, actually, when this podcast hits and everyone's listening to it, it's actually a great point. Boss Baby 2 is going to be on Peacock day and date with its release so yes you can go see oh my it in God, theaters. I'm so excited but walt can watch it religiously on repeat on peacock because he's a big peacock fan so he can watch boss baby 2 at no incremental cost this weekend which i don't know if you knew this but i am an amc Stubbs premiere um <laughs> member and i are I you a, are you, <laughs> did you did you get a fractional um, share with that i currently have <laughs> 2016 points available but what's interesting about that is I get a daily email from AMC, and at the top of every email, it's encouraging me to to get a free popcorn if I become a shareholder. Shut up! Uh, yes, I'm seeing more every, pretty much every day. So it wasn't um, that far off. Yeah, so I'm getting more advertisements about getting a free popcorn to be a shareholder than I am about the movies themselves, and it's always the top billing in the email. But they, I do have two thousand six. They really, they really want you to be a shareholder. Maybe they can turn your points into shares. Five thousand. Could they do that? 
Well, 5,000 points gets me a $5 reward. What's the stock at now? No, I'm going to need more 50. points than that. Stock's only need, 50. So I'm going to need 50,000. You get a of a, a share in Robinhood. Yes. Right where they have fractional shares. Oh, maybe he could buy, maybe he could buy AMC. No, maybe he could buy AMC 175 calls due in a week. Actually, as I open it up, it's asking me to update the app. So who knows? Maybe there's a share. There's like a Robinhood link in there. I can just <laughs> purchase the shares with the popcorn. Okay, let's move on. So Extra Lucas Shaw's got it. For the we Lucas had to Robin Hood a shout out on their IPO filing. Yeah, congrats, there. guys. Um, <laughs> as, as well as their large fine. Uh, <laughs> leave that aside. Uh, Lucas Shaw knew Amazon won the bidding war for Smartless, a podcast I absolutely love, and will have the exclusive rights. I said that, not Lucas. And will have the exclusive rights to the show for a week before it goes to other platforms. Um and then Peter Kafka chimes in with sort of a snarky 20 million used to be the, what a Jim Carrey um, was Jim Carrey movie money. Now it buys you a big podcast for a year. Uh, what's interesting about this well, well, like is like one it, episode of a serialized drama. Yeah. Like Mandalorian is probably 20 million an episode. That's a great point. But what, what, what I thought was interesting is just sort of Spotify, which we wrote about this week is taking podcast fully exclusive. So the only place to watch or listen to us, I should say, call her daddy is on Spotify. Same with Joe Rogan. This they're spending $20 million a year for something like Smartless, But a week later, you can listen to it on any platform. And there's really no time value. It's not like you have to listen to Smartless this week versus next week. It's not like that type of a show. I just think it shows really different strategies. I'm not sure if I understand Amazon's because why why pay for a podcast and not take it exclusive to yeah. really move market share? Well, for Spotify, we, I think it all, is going to move. We don't know what the game plan is, uh, the eventual game plan. Second of all, the other interesting thing that happened this week was Amazon. Not that it's like that big of a deal, but bought Art19. Yep. Right. So, so they're, they're clearly getting more focused on podcast. that whole vertical podcast stack. Right. Yep. And that strategy point. is developing and we will see what roles their owned and operated um, podcasts, including like they own Wondery now. Right. Yeah. And how does Smartless All fit in? Haven't taken them. Haven't taken them. Not exclusive to the same point. But yep. you're right. Same idea. And Wondery has a subscription. And look, to be fair. And how does well, Smartless fit into that subscription? I mean, there's a yep. lot to think about here. Well, look, I, I guess the overall point, though, is Spotify started with non-exclusives, right? Like they bought Gimlet, they bought Parcast, they, they did things with Michelle Obama. All of these things were essentially, you know, sometimes they were very short exclusives, but basically they were all non-exclusive. Spotify clearly eventually is the Light Shed podcast will be on there. And who hosts the Light Shed podcast, Rich? Um, this is Brendan Ross is our MC usually no, in terms of our intros. Who, oh, who hosts? Art nineteen hosts. Exactly. Thank you. I was trying Art to bring 19. it all. I was trying to build, bring no. it all like full circle. We love. Here. We love yes. Sean Carr at Art nineteen. They've been great friends of the uh, pod. So, okay. sorry, I missed that. I totally missed that. I think of host. I think of you, Brandon. You are no. our intro host. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the bits and the bites. The, <laughs> the ones and the zeros. Okay, can we move on next? Yes, absolutely. Um, we're sticking on audio though, uh, and we're talking about sort of playing on the Spotify strategy, things like the Bill Simmons podcast or the ringer, I've sort of, you know, I don't want to say I've made fun of, but I've sort of said like, why are you doing this? If it's not exclusive to Spotify, 
And, you know, now we're starting to see how they're starting to leverage those relationships. So the ringer now doing a live show on their version of clubhouse. Remember they bought locker room, they turned it into green room. They just launched it a few weeks ago, as we talked about, but now they're doing a live show with the ringer. Holy fucking synergy. Well, that's where it gets interesting. That's when you start to get, that's where it starts. Like live gets really interesting. Right. And why should Bill Simmons do a lot or why should the ringer do a live show on clubhouse or even on Twitter spaces versus doing it right on Spotify. And so to me, it just sort of shows like every platform is going to try to figure out their version of, of how, live. To use, how to use live. Like Correct. what is, what it's is a the feature? Right it's a feature, not a product. Live. Interestingly, um, the NHL um, in the semifinals, I believe, I think it was, was it semis or was it game? Yeah, it was actually Friday game seven. Um, clubhouse and the nhl were doing something and there were you know players and all sorts of stuff on interestingly also what while we're on it where was anyone listening i don't know (laughs) because i was like watching the game i was actually watching the game at a restaurant on my ipad um (laughs) the only time i end up in clubhouse is when i accidentally click an alert that is literally the only time i think the rooms created per day i saw a tweet over the weekend um has gone to like five hundred thousand a day and just like three or four weeks ago was at three hundred thousand a day so there is some sort of engagement explosion happening i don't know if it's happening in the united states it doesn't look that way from times i've been on it may be happening Oh, who knows? It could be happening in India, other markets where they've launched that have a lot of people. Um, but I will say I have not something. stayed up till 2 a.m. in quite a long time uh, to listen to Sri Ram. Yeah. And I love Sri Ram. I just haven't stayed yeah. up. Like I just I've just, yeah, you know, I, I feel like just the, bu- the buzz just keeps slowing overall. Um, let's move on to Disney Plus, which okay. had has had two sort of interesting promos. Uh, they did coming out of even after, you know, they did a promo on Prime Day uh, for with Amazon, but then followed it up shortly thereafter. So this is Amazon Music. Get up to six months of Disney Plus on us for a limited time only. Now, I will be fair. I don't know anyone who is an Amazon Music, you know, not a not a free user on Alexa, but actually a paid $10 a month Amazon Music. I don't know anyone. I know from the conversations, Brandon, you and I have had with with the music I, labels. Amazon's very music. family centric. And you're very country. It, music it was century. like country music, country and families, young families. Right? And there were, weren't there. There are some markets. Was it Latam where they they have like. Pretty- but this is U.S. No, and Canada only. Sense. I don't know. This where. is U.S. Yeah. and Canada only. I don't know. It seems like a it look what caught my attention between this and the other offer. So this is for Hulu subscribers upgrade to the Disney bundle for only four dollars versus the normal like eight dollars. Mm-hmm. What intrigued me about both of these was just the timing both coming out sort of within the last couple of weeks of the quarter. Is this like, Hey, we're a little bit behind. Theory. I don't know. It just sort of was interesting. Very end of the quarter, pretty aggressive. You know, I still don't know, you know, Walt loves Loki. I hear a lot of very good feedback on Loki. The content cadence has certainly picked up. I'm just surprised they need to discount to drive subs versus the increased amount of content being the driver in and of itself. I just don't understand why the discounting is such a part of their sort of customer acquisition focus. Let's go to our resident Disney plus expert, Walter Uh, Pysik. 
I don't know. I mean, Verizon, it sounds like things are going well with Verizon in general, both in the second quarter and in terms of the relationship. It's like we talked about last week. I mean, a lot of its conversion to Disney Plus, as a, was that offer specifically for D Plus or was it the bundle? Maybe they're, maybe they're uh, just not having as much success on the bundle. And then like, here, I'll show you. It was a, it was a bundled offer for Amazon. No, sorry. It was just Disney Plus for Amazon Music. And then the Hulu was an upgrade from Hulu I mean, into honestly, the triple play. So on the Amazon Music thing, I think that's probably more of a benefit to Amazon Music than Disney Plus. It's like, why the fuck would I get Amazon Music? But oh, if I can get Disney Plus, it's like a reverse wrap in. Maybe. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, like, seriously, have you ever met someone who says I'm an Amazon Music subscriber? Never. Like, I've Not never met a human. Ever. I didn't even know they had it. Like, But I'm sure it's the same exact commodity as they all the, the other ones, except for, I guess, what Spotify is doing in the podcast. I mean, I have YouTube Music, I have Spotify, and I have Apple Music. Do you really? I mean, what, why do you have YouTube Music? Because it's fucking I don't awesome. Know. Oh, God. I don't, I don't it literally is awesome, especially for me. I like you know, all the live music stuff and I can watch. It's like very seamlessly integrated to be able to watch shows on there and to, you know, and the video aspect, or I could put it onto audio. I just happen to like the product. So and there is a YouTube fish show that you, no, it's this is all about I mean, fish. There's no, it's not necessarily about fish. It's about a lot of um, every live music that's resident on YouTube, which is a lot. Um, and I like it. I don't know. But look, this all plays into it. But the indication for Verizon has been that the churn has been lower than expected. But let's put it in, in context, which is it's an opt-out type of thing, meaning you lit it up. And then if you didn't turn it off, it's going to show up on your bill every month. So people just miss that shit on a large Verizon wireless bill. So maybe there, maybe there's just some churn issues that they're having from people that were getting free trials from other promotions that were out there. It may not even be a U.S. issue, really. It may be U.S. trying to cover up. Remember, Disney only reports global numbers. There's been, you know, it certainly seems like Asia's slowing. IPL, which is cricket, has been delayed in India. I think they're losing subs in Asia right now. Latin America sort of seems like it's been slow to date to launch. I mean, I heard they had a bonkers launch in, I think it was Malaysia the other day. Um, but but but, oh, but the reality is bonkers. Could it be? I also don't. I mean, some of this seems a little. I heard. I heard hundreds of thousands of subs on day one. Oh wow. But, you know, this like seems me- a little meaningful. anecdotal. Isn't there always promotions going on, more or less? So it's possible that there's nothing really time. Not, not for Amazon Music, but that's an Netflix. Amazon Music issue again. Like who- Netflix has never discounted the service. They've done the promo with obviously with T-Mobile, where it just comes with it. But there's never been a discounted. Well, my question ever though on is, three months. My, I understand that, but my my question then is. Is this discount new for the month of June, or did it exist also in in April? And I May? have never seen these two promotions. Okay, anymore. well there you go. I've seen so others, but never so this. So they're trying to pump the numbers in the quarter. Well, that's, that's that's the most likely. That's the most likely scenario. And maybe it's weakness in U.S. international, whatever. But that seems like the obvious thing. That's why I flagged it for the podcast this week. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Brandon. Would you like me to read this tweet? I Darren would very much. Rubel. $44.8 million sales of top shot moments in the last 30 days while the NBA playoffs are happening. According to crypto slam IO slam IO. You did that terribly, Brandon. That was terrible. Crypto slam IO. It's great. Whatever. Yep. Um, uh, <laughs> 
53.9 million sales of top shot moments in a week in mid-February. So I, I think, so if you do the math on that, so that's 30 days. So four times that is 200. Okay. So like, so it's down 70% is essentially, despite the fact that we're in the playoffs, we've talked about this, you know, before though. Um, and the role that Top Shot plays. I'm not necessarily interested in Top Shot for Top Shot, but for seeding the education of NFTs. Um, and I think there is a dialectical element to it where you needed like some mania, then like sort of an antithesis, and then there will be a synthesis going forward. Where wow, those are those are a lot of big words well, that I can't even I love spell. That. that was like a high. Dialectic but, synthesis, and there was one other it. one. I missed Sorry, the third, no. the third one, but there was beautiful. a lot of words. It was a beautiful construction of a sentence. I'm getting a galleon. That was poetry. That was po- that was poetry. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Lin Manuel would like that. Was like a total rap with all these great really. words and like. Wasn't dialectic one of the words we thought about for our company name at one point? Yeah, uh, that was from me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were going to spell it in a weird way. As somebody who was. Yep. An intellectual history major many, oh. many moons ago. Um, it 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 is a good concept though, right? Where yeah. you know you have the action, the reaction, and then it, you move forward. Correct. It's a framework for everything. Marxism and everything. It was very yeah, w- yeah. wonderfully okay. worded. Okay. So yeah. anyway, that's like kind of where I'm at with with cryptos, with crypto and NFTs. Like I think. You know, the mania was necessary and there's been a reaction to it now. We've seen in the crypto markets, but, you know, Web 3.0 is going to slide itself under uh, a lot of things that we do, even in the media or especially in the media and entertainment world and have a place over time. It's just going to, you know, take time. Well said. I think this is. I also think we you know we we talked to Roham at at Dapper Labs who does Top Shots and it it sounds like there's oh, a for, lot of other products for da- coming oh, for Dapper, later this year. Yeah, like this da- is this for, is just the beginning. Yeah, for Dapper, it's a very small piece of the puzzle. Why don't we talk about team valuations, Brandon? Okay, this is from Forbes. Um, Lakers valued at five point five billion dollars in the Anschutz sale to the Dodgers owners. So I think this was what 27% that he sold, but under underneath it, they have like the most expensive team purchases in all sports all time. And like they have the Brooklyn Nets, uh, which was like three point was 3.3 billion. And then the Mets 2.4. And if you look at the Forbes valuations um, um, for teams that 5.5 topped uh, the Knicks, um, you know, for what what would be the most expensive franchise ever. So franchise values, especially in New York, LA, obviously, um, clearly continue to climb due to scarcity. Um, what was interesting to me, uh, though, and despite is, the is fact that, that media rights are this, in trouble, right? It, it, that never mattered, right? I mean, it kind of matters, but. Um, what like the article in Sportico said that Phil is looking to redeploy that money into AG projects and listed a whole bunch of stuff, including ticketing, 
um, which Have really, done this, been really there, done surprised that, me because I thought, if anything, AEG was on its way out in ticketing, um, including the fact that their venue management business or that they 50% own just cut a deal with Ticketmaster. And the press release said that Ticketmaster had a, had superior technology to access, which but is maybe, the a, maybe this is, is buying, but what about so buying maybe, or building venues? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's their bread and butter, right? So that costs a lot of money. I, so I, that assume, could be the I assume that's that's probably what it's about. And Sportico just like named everything in live entertainment. Yeah, um, but I mean, just knowing what AEG is all about, vertically integrating the venue and especially their touring company, having more venues. Obviously, promotion, you, yeah. you see it with Live Nation. It all ties together. So you want more venues that yeah, you the own economics when you when you own the venue are you know far superior. Okay, let's go 5G, Walt. Um, welcome to Walt's Technology Quarter. Corner. <laughs> Our resident expert in all things edition. 5G. I, Loki, all, gonna... all things Loki, all things Loki, TikTok, res- and 5G. Our resident expert. Take it away, Walter. And now for this brief interruption. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is actually the Mobile World Congress is known as a very large Congress or a uh, Congress. conference. <laughs> congress. It is called Congress. I know. No one went it's this year. World. It was kind of fucking pathetic. Wait, was there actually an in-person event? Yes, in Barcelona. But a lot of it was virtual. Um, you know, the big kind of validation point was Amazon had their a virtual thing. And they talked about a lot of their partners. Dish was clearly centrally profiled in what Amazon was talking about. You know, it, it, what we said on this podcast before is there's a lot of debate about what is 5G really mean because it's you know fast speeds and low latency, a lot of stuff you can do with LTE. And I've said that having a virtualized core, the ability to offer private network, even down to the consumer level to control what can be done, where everything is software driven from the edge of the network to the core of the network um, is going to be, I think, a key component that all, all companies will get to. Um, Dish has closely aligned themselves with Amazon, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But there was the interesting kind of new data point that was in that tweet that you were showing was basically that um, AT&T kind of slapped together an announcement. You know, it, it, it claims to be AT&T is hiring Microsoft to run its 5G mobile network, a key win in the race by cloud services to lock down large clients. AT&T is sending employees. This kind of got overlooked, but this is a tremendous validation, I think, to the strategy pushing hard, that, that um, Dish is pushing hard on. Again, ultimately, everyone's going to get there. It's It'll be interesting to see um, how quickly AT&T can get there with Microsoft. They have a past relationship with them, but I think this is going to take multiple years. There didn't seem to be a lot of information forthcoming um, from AT&T about this announcement. So to me, it was just very, uh, it was confirmation again for us, um, but more so for Dish, who is is kind of centralized in their network um, on doing this. So I think it was a good week for Dish, although it didn't seem to get there wasn't that much attention paid to it just because Mobile World Congress just wasn't as as kind of focused on because of it, you know, no one really was there and yada yada yada. So how far how far of a distant third is Microsoft? Like is this a meaningful win relative to where they were before? Well, Microsoft actually has got more in this area than um Amazon does. They they bought some companies that give them um a soft um or a, a basically a software defined or a virtualized core network meta switch was a company that i bought years ago 
Um, like the, the the guy that's kind of out in the cold at the moment is Google. They're not really focused on the carrier customers in this regard. So it's really Amazon, Microsoft. In fact, you know, Verizon themselves have has a good relationship um, with Amazon. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, doing content at the edge where these boxes will sit currently in Verizon's data centers in 10 cities. So getting closer to the end customer, what, what Amazon announced with dish is getting it even closer, putting um, some of their boxes in cell. Like in my living room, like even my living room in this, in the, where the cell site is. And so um, you're, you're moving compute uh, um, closer to the edge to reduce latency and give greater control um, to those customers. So I think that's kind of the evolution of future networks. Although on the flip side of that, you know, there is this view of, of, you know, does AT&T and Verizon really want to closely bring Microsoft and Amazon, you know, under the sheets and really, you know, expose themselves to something that's expensive and a 16, I think, um, it's going on. <laughs> did you get the analogy, Brandon? Yeah, I got it. Because um, you could really, not have a happy time over if you overexpose yourself to Amazon and my expenses can be as high. I mean, Andreessen did a, did a piece on this saying that I think they talked about how Dropbox sold se- or saved plug 70- our venture competitors. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck them. Um, no, that okay. they saved a Dropbox saved $75 million a year by what they call, um, you know, bringing out back out of the cloud to their own data network. So I think these are considerations that large companies, because in the old days, 18th old days, two, three years ago, AT&T Verizon would say that Amazon and Google, these are their biggest competitors. And now you're going to get in bed with them and, and get, you know, send your engineers to them and like basically turn over the keys to your network. I don't know. We'll I'm just, I just, I just have, a, I'm going to call it a little bit of an audible just because I have a funny story that I forgot to tell you guys. So, um, and it relates so. to bandwidth. So, so Spectrum, <laughs> Spectrum came to my house today to check yeah, no, that I've been having, no I've been shit, having drops. Right? So I've been and having then I drops. got to be on a, uh, a Zoom with you right after and you were breaking up. Yeah, that was only because I had. Yeah, I understand. I know what the problem was. But but leave that aside. So I, while I was talking to the guy, I'm like, so I'm paying for the, the whatever, the 300 or 350 service down. I was like, you know, it keeps dropping in and out. I basically say like, um you know, is 20 meg up the fastest you guys can do? And he's like, you know, 320, 300 down, 20 up. He goes, that's right. That's exactly what you should be getting through the pipe. And I said, you know, do you think 20 is enough? He goes, oh, yeah, it's way more than enough. Like the only thing you, you know, this is all about Netflix streaming. Nobody really sends anything up. You don't need more than 20 ever on the upstream. I just thought you would love that story. Like that's literally what they're telling customers that they don't need more than 20 on the That's upside. called talking your own book, Rich. You're also, by the way, if you're doing this and you're limiting the network, you're preventing those applications we don't know about. Like everyone pitches yeah. this concept of like, build it for the applications that we don't know about today. Well, you can't create that application <laughs> in the future if you're going to fucking limit me to 20 megahertz, 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 megabits, excuse me, per second on the uplink. I mean, give me a fucking break. By the way, one other comment on this thing before we move on on this. Can Amazon. people get starry? Not yet. Not in, I, it's not available. Yeah, no, not it's, it's not yet available. No, no, it is in New York, just not here. You have to go to like Hudson Yards. You can get it. Just one more comment on Amazon and tech stuff. I'm going to bring yes. this home to you in terms of Netflix is that there's there's, um, Rich is there's like also commentary about a different network construction that Disney is going to do with Verizon 
where they're putting content in a different way than Netflix is. So I think maybe we need to bring Dave Temkin back in here and talk about like the varying net, the varying ways you can do network. But this is, you know, again, Amazon trying to get involved in improving the... So the point being is that when I'm on Fios at home and I hit Disney, everything's going to fucking load faster in, in terms of how they're designing this network with, with, uh, with Amazon. We should get Temkin to do like a light shed event with us and we should just talk network construction and all that. Didn't, so didn't he just say that? Yeah, I'm saying we should do that. He's, 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 he's confirming. I'm agreeing. Friend of the podcast. Okay. Andy Weissman, Brandon, go. Talk about app stores. Thieves, um, I guess. From Andy, interesting to see the range of internet platforms take rates. Even before today, Shopify already was amongst the lowest and it kind of has the take rates um, for literally every platform out there. And a theme that we have discussed has been take rates coming down in general and the pushback against take rates. And I think that starts with Apple and Apple earlier this year, I mean, for the first million dollars went to what, 15%. Right. And Shopify um, this week announced that it for developers, it was going to free for the first million dollars and then 15 percent thereafter. Um, And everyone's like, oh, look at the app store pressure. Yeah, that's occurring and everyone's afraid of regulation. I actually, I think Shopify probably wasn't doing it for regulation. I just think that that sort of third-party developer part of their business makes the overall platform better. And they were just incentivizing um, more development on Shopify. Yeah, so I mean, look, it's a little what, hard what, to compare what, all what, these businesses, what, right? What does, the take no, rate, I, what does the take rate mean in this in this context? It's like so, what you're playing the platforms. Like, what do you pay OnlyFans to be on OnlyFans? Twenty percent is what the creator oh, gotcha. pays. Yeah. The what does uh, what does the app on Apple's App Store pay? They pay thirty percent. Other than if it's year two, they pay fifteen or whatever. But like the point is, is like these are such different businesses. It's it's not a great chart because they're so different. But yep. it certainly speaks to like there's certainly pressure on fees as as competition picks up. There's pressure on fees no matter what the business is. Right, because you can't compare like Coinbase to OnlyFans. Taking, you know, imagine, imagine Coinbase took a twenty. Although based on some of the spreads that I see on Coinbase, they're effectively taking like fifty percent. I mean, the fucking spreads are huge. I mean, Roblox, Roblox is on here, by the way, at thirty percent. How about Cameo? Cameo's got a nice fat twenty-five percent. No, it's actually thirty. Wow, <laughs> I, if I should say that, but yeah. um, it's it's. Basic. I want the Shutterstock take thirty percent. How do I recently. get that Shutterstock though? Um, I know, but Roblox Man. is actually the it's, it's on here at thirty. It's not. Yeah, it's right. actually eighty-one percent. Correct. Yeah, right, because is, who, you can't get chart is this? cash out of the Roblox um, ecosystem. Zoom, can we zoom out? Whose chart is this? Rates. This was I don't know whose chart. This I, I was. Some Tanya. I don't know who Tanya is. We, uh, we can't even rely on. Let's move on. We can't rely okay, on. Okay, but these, these my o- my overall point is there are other strategic reasons people <laughs> are making these right. decisions, and it's not necessarily only because of regulatory pressure. That's all. Okay. Variety's got a story that Universal Pictures pay one deal will bolster Peacock in the streaming race, and what. 
what makes this so interesting is that, you know, when we met with, you know, Comcast and had talked to Comcast, you know, just a couple of years ago, even probably 18 months ago, they were like, pay one is, you know, meaning call it after they go through theatrical with these movies, home video, and then go to pay one. That window was HBO. It sounds like that deal is not being renewed with HBO. But the the perception was that it would be sold to a third party like Netflix for maybe a short window and then it would head to Peacock. But that Peacock was really a place for pay two and for catalog movies. Obviously, Boss Baby's on Peacock this weekend, timed with its theatrical release. And I sort of wonder whether the Peacock strategy around movies has shifted because of COVID. You know, it's accelerated a lot of trends. And I wonder if they're looking at it going, God, HBO is putting movies on sooner, you know, maybe 45 days after they're in theaters. Disney's doing that. Like we have to change this and we can't let movies show up two years later or 18 months later on Peacock. Media is a copycat business. (laughs) But that's a pretty big pivot for Peacock. If it actually comes out, that's a pretty meaningful pivot from we're going to put our movies into a pay to and we're going to try to monetize them like Sony did who just sold to Netflix, et cetera, we're going to, we're going to literally not take the money and we're going to use it to bolster our service. Also showing that they're taking Peacock more seriously and yep, realize they've got to get more fresh content. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know whether this is actually accurate or not, but it certainly seems the, interesting. the growing importance of the owned and operated AVOD or SVOD platforms and the movement of your own content onto your own platform is a, is a theme. Now, remember, one of the big reasons why we thought they were going to sell this to a third party is that Peacock primarily is something people don't pay for, right? Like Peacock Premium, the overwhelming majority of subscribers are just Comcast subs or Cox subscribers who are getting Peacock for free instead of paying $5 a month. And so, you know, again, you're already not paying for the service. Now you're going to put hit first run movies within, you know, call it maybe within a couple of months onto the service. That's obviously a very big deal. Rich, whenever you say peacock more than one time in like a you think of the TikTok, interval, you think I of the TikTok. I cannot get that out of my mind. I want to be yeah. Peacock. I got where God, where God, God, where peacock, is God, that God. TikTok? Is that let's get? I need that, that on command, like that, right just a button to bring Actually, it up. Actually, I have a question. Can we pause the podcast <laughs> right now to no. pull up no, Rich's no. TikTok and share his peacock cock TikTok? We are not doing that. We are definitely not doing with, that right with, now. With the, hold on, the, the little, I don't think we, even though we've brought this up many times, I don't think we we brought up the fact that I think he, he took 12 takes on that where we had him redo it like 10 or 11 times. Wow, the, the, the funny, the, the, so, 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 the, so the background it was story definitely on definitely inspo for a future Rich Greenfield bobblehead doll, though. No, no, no. The funny part is. We need to release that to the, to the, um, <laughs> to the apes. If the apes got their hands on that, that would that would create some great memes. Brandon, the the, the amazing part about shooting that was I was it. doing it. I was doing that in the middle of Rockefeller Plaza, and investors were coming up to me, literally going, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're going like this, like you know, are you having like a seizure in the middle of? Yeah. I think, I, think I did have some text that said you need to bob your head more. You need." To- <laughs> Okay, we're oh, moving on. Boy. We're moving on. We haven't we got a done few any. We haven't done any merch except for our water bottles, which uh, I have like three of them next to the me. Bobblehead. Uh, so I we should do bobblehead dolls. Um, oh, that's a good idea. So we got Sports Business Journal saying the NHL has named 
19-year-old TikTok influencer and content creator Josh Richards as a special advisor to help the league reach a younger audience and the next generation of hockey fans. Uh, Josh Richards is the man, by the way. We did a Dude, meeting with him recently. Everywhere. Yeah, he's uh, he's an impressive guy. Um, he's got his but, fingers in so many different things right now. But, but I think it's but look, the sports as a sports as a whole needs to figure out a way to appeal to younger demos. The influencer route is kind of obvious. I was actually watching because last night I tried to t- after the hockey game was over, um, that Montreal game or Tampa won, obviously, but um, I put on the Mets and they were down 22. So I put on the MLB network and they said that they put up, brought up a thing. They have influencer. Uh, of hold the day on. You, for Major you put League on baseball now. Yep. Yep. You and you and the 30 other people that were, had the MLB yeah, network but, on but at that they're time. trying to lean into influencers. Also, Who cares? they can <laughs> lean into whatever. I know. No one's want. seeing no one's it. Anyway. It on. I, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I think the game, it was like a really sad game. How does one go about saying, hey, I'm going to flip to the MLB network? (laughs) How did did that Um, even come about? Like what went through my mind? Did you accidentally hit the up button? And is it like right next to wherever the Mets were on? Like, No, I'm going to explain. How did that happen? Um, My mind was, okay, I watched the hockey. Mm -hmm. Then I think I put on the basketball for a minute. And I was like, I still can't watch basketball for some reason. Yeah. Um, post Sixers. And then I was like, I'll put the Mets on. And then the game was a blowout. And I was like, yeah. I'm watching baseball. So I should watch other baseball. You know, it's just these are okay. the thoughts. And then I watched baseball for four minutes. And then the I put on Discovery. Brandon's brain was just. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I watched something on UFOs. It was pretty cool. I, initial thing would be if the first or second thing doesn't work, then just go to Netflix or HBO Max. Look, the the problem these sports. I don't feel have, like opening Netflix. They they need to change the experience of what sports are. You there's no way you know if they want to broaden the audience. I don't think it's just about having influencers. I think that's great, and they can certainly hype it and promote it. But I think actually just sort of the sports need to change pacing. There's so uh, many things. Dude, that how, how, like, how much you know, faster can you get than hockey, though? I, I, don't, I don't understand the lack of love for, for that sport, obviously. Eh. Um, I think what really is going to help baseball is stopping the game a couple of times during dude. the game to check to see if there's sticky substance on someone's belt. So sti- they, that, that's going to be really good go. for That's going to be really good for this. I shouldn't say that. Wait, he'll never do Light Shed Live with us. <laughs> we need like another version like the red chair hot seat right so it would be normally, amazing if we did though that would be just we have not had a dave portnoy tweet in quite some time uh if memory is correct so we've got portnoy tweeting welcome colin gillespie hashtag barstool athlete which walter pisick caught today um, well, it's all over Twitter now. This is this is because of the the thing that happened where they can that that whatever the ruling was that they can. The can, I, can, can I now. just name, image, and likeness nil rule? Thank you. Um, where they can accept money, and I mean they're using their platform very well as always. There was a funny tweet that Portnoy had where like some D three center was like, "Hey, you know, you know, can, can a D three center for like be a you know a barstool athlete?" He's like, "Now it can." And it's just beautiful. Like they have all these people just creating, 
um, content about the barstool athlete, which in this case, what they're just being like an ad agency for these, for these marketing like, services. They want to yeah. help. Look, they, there is no college campus. Like you go to any college campus, right? They dominate college campuses all across the country now. So now not only can they help raise the profile of college sports, but they can also do integrated sponsorships. Like they have all these relationships with brands. Now they can connect those athletes to brands and the athletes actually can participate in those economics. This is great for those athletes. It ties into what, you know, overtime is trying to do, right? They, overtime is trying to, you know, take high school athletes. I mean, and it actually- doesn't tie into it. It's I think overtime's in a, in a more unique position <laughs> in terms of what they're doing, you know, and, and, and giving these and having connecting to their high school um, presence and, and starting their own athletes. Right. Right. Like there's just more and more. And I think this is probably just the beginning of what you're going to see in terms of relaxing these rules, because the, the big rule change that ultimately is going to happen is can you earn money and still get a college, still go to college and play in college? That rule is not changing. So you still can't earn. You still have to choose whether you're going to earn money or be in college. You can't like go and earn a fee, whether it's pros or overtime elite, and then go to college and play in play collegiate sports. At some point, that's probably going to change. And this feels like the beginning of that process. You've started to you've started to do it. And eventually the whole onion is going to get peeled. It's just a matter of time. Um, The next tweet, Brandon, you know, I feel like this doesn't work for you anymore because I could I sort of could picture you here a few years ago, but this is not going to work anymore. There's only one reason I'd go to that place, but uh, and the, it, <laughs> God, God. Uh, the dating app Bumble is about to open, quote, a cafe and wine bar for daters, networkers and friends. Um, the good news about this is that it's like Ryan Hardy is the chef. So from Charlie Bird. Yeah. So it's going to be, uh, um, what is it? Pasquale Jones. Um, it, the food's going to be fucking awesome. So I'm going to probably want to go there for that reason. Um, the, uh, I'm not, does, does, does your fiance know that though, that you're going to the Bumble cafe? They, they said it's for networking also. So a couple oh, okay. of things come to mind here. One is I'm not sold on like this, like, kind of cheesy branding um, of a dating app in a physical location. And I think it's supposed to be a quote, safe space for first dates. And the menu is like first date friendly. I don't think anyone is looking for such an inauthentic. um, What is a first date friendly menu? Like, what does that Um, mean? Apparently like you, (laughs) you don't have like spaghetti and like, you know, it gets all over you, some other, you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, but the other thing that's interesting is it's about networking also and friends. And we talked about this, you and I, Rich, earlier in the week about how do dating apps like or dating companies like Match and I guess secondarily Bumble become much, much bigger companies yeah. and leverage sort of the engagement that they have um, and some of the core competencies like matchmaking in general to become bigger businesses. And yep. it's like kind of laid out right there in Bumbles. And we've heard this from Bumble for years. You know, it's like getting jobs, like beating people with, you know, similar interests, all, all those other things. So I think that's a path um, you're going to see all there's a, there's a startup called lunch giants that 
Well, there's a startup called Lunch Club that basically is sort of like uh, it's it's almost like sort of like getting people to sort of network. It's like sort of a networking experience app. Sort of feels like what Bumble and Match ultimately either buy or could or, in some way yeah, become part of part of. I mean, and that'll just be one piece, I think, to the puzzle. Um, but look, the dating business is fucking flying right now for a lot of obvious reasons. There's some tough markets, India, Japan, whatever they may be, but it sounds like things are really good um, for Match and probably Bumble as well. Other than that. But if you're starting to think about that going from like a $40 billion business to like a $200 billion business, it's probably not going to just be dating. Right. How do you leverage what, how do you leverage the infrastructure and technology? Yeah. So I got a little afield there, but I'm not going, I mean, except for that food, maybe uh, hopefully they deliver. I'm not going to some yellow building. Sorry. Um, SoftBank time, Walter. SoftBank time. It's no, time it's to call in our bank. resident SoftBank expert. And now for our yeah. next intermission. <laughs> it's an intermission. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, look, we we typically like to end on like a Portnoy tweet or some Marcelo ridiculous tweet about crypto. No, no, so the golden is, eyes, the gold, or, or we, the diamond, diamond eyes. No, this, no, is no. Kind of, this is kind of it's diamond hands or a masa or a masa unicorn slide about jumping over the coronavirus valley or no this. eyes since no one could see my eyes. <laughs> um. So in this light reading post, they're talking about how a company is buying mobility. Um, so our listeners might recall that back when Masason had a secret plan for Sprint, the secret plan was this guy, Gary Jabbar, who runs mobility, went to um, to Japan to pitch this concept of putting telephone poles in the right of way. And it was... and. And uh, believe it or not, um, communities like Rye and Larchmont didn't really like that concept of all of a sudden a telephone pole showing up in the front of their yard. And yeah, that plant ended and this company now has been sold. They had more than that. They, this but was, some this of them, could, they could make them look like fake trees. So they didn't like that. They didn't bother in this case. They were just uh-huh. slapping this shit up, a telephone uh-huh. poles, antennas, messy wires and Mobility does a lot more than that. I'm sure there was none of those assets were in there, but it's just, it was funny to see mobility, which was like kind of this high profile name back in the day when Masa was going to, going to, I think him and Marcelo both, I think him and Marcelo both said that Sprint was going to have the number one network within a year. Um, It didn't quite get there. Oh, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yes, they, Sprint has now sent emails out to their enterprise customers saying the entire Sprint network will be shut down by June of 22. So make sure you bring your phones in and get your SIM cards replaced because bye-bye Sprint network. That is an important public service announcement from, from the number podcast. one network to completely eliminated. In how many years? How many rough in? years? Oh, wow. Rich, don't give me these like, was it like questions at the end. 20 so years? Exhausted. This was a long hour. And- a lot of stuff to remember. So, everyone, we love we playing living in America. No, this what? is rock. Brandon Man. called an audible. It was an oh, audible, Walt. What were we supposed this is to play? Neil Diamond. That is like the one that they play for the fireworks? Yeah, the fireworks. We could play this that, too. No, no, this is good. No, this is good. I, <laughs> Happy July 4th to our podcast. Yeah, and uh, so we, we recorded our podcast at a very different time today. We usually do it in the morning when we're a little fresher. So hopefully the quality was up to standards. And let's have a great second half of the year. Let's fucking close this shit out. Have a great weekend, everyone.
see you next week. Keep on running through. Let's just keep dancing, I guess.